Amen. Praise God. Welcome everyone today. We're so glad that everyone is here worshiping with us this morning. I see several uh, new faces. I see some old faces that are here for the first time today. We're so thankful for everyone that is here today. We welcome you this morning. Can we welcome them this morning? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Two quick things I forgot to mention. One, uh, don't forget, this Thursday night is our first. We have once a month, we have a, a congregational, which means it's just for Antioch West. Once a month, we have our own Thursday night um, meeting. Uh, that will be this Thursday night, and uh, we tried to have a facility here in the area, but because of some scheduling situations, we weren't able to do it. And so we will have that at the church in the chapel at 7 p.m. Thursday. Um, it will not be a normal service. We're going to take these times. Uh, I don't know what the other congregations are doing, but for us, we're going to take these times as uh, times to communicate to you what's going on, to implement some things, and spo especially in the summer, the three we have in the summer are very important because we have a lot of things we're trying to get started. So I encourage you, if you could, be there Thursday at 7 at uh, the Hill in Arnold uh, in the chapel. And that, it will that part will be simply for Antioch West. And I encourage you, uh, if you could, to be so. One more thing, and this will be it for today, um, is if you are interested or some of you ask, if you'd like to watch the services here, obviously you can see uh, Brother Jordan standing there behind the camera, not because he likes to get the best view in the house, but we are recording these uh, services. If you'd like to watch them, you can go to theantioch.com and click on uh, video on demand or media, and you can go and it has an Antioch uh, West button there. You click on that. It'll have all our services archived. They will not be archived on live stream. So if you're used to going on live stream and watching, you won't be able to go there. You'll have to go to the website um, and you have to click there and watch them there on um, theantioch.com under the, uh, the media page. But you can go on there. The last week was already posted and uh, we'll continue to do that as we go forward. Amen. Praise God. I'll stop talking because that's not what we're here to do is listen to me talk. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to Philippians chapter three, Philippians chapter three. And uh, again, today, in case you're wondering, I'll be reading out of the New King James Version. And that will be just to lay out the foundation. I have to repeat myself every Sunday. That's my go-to version, okay? So if you, if you want to know that, we're going to be reading most of the time out of the New King James. Not that I have a diversion or I think it's wrong to read out of the King James. I think just the New King James tweaks some things and makes it a little less thou's, a little less shall's and all the kind of the 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 uh, the old English and kind of polishes up a little bit without losing the meat of the translation. So, for those Bible lovers that that may have an have have an issue with that, we're going to read out of the New King James most of the time. So, in case you read and think, what are we reading? That's what we'll be reading most of the time. Philippians chapter three, verse number seven. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, 
but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I love how Paul says that. He said, I don't want to just know the resurrection, but I want to know him in the power. That that little word there is is so, so uh, um, uh, it's powerful, powerful, powerful. It's better to say it in how Paul put that in there, but know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I have already attained or I'm already uh, perfected, but I press on. I'm continuing that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the Goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And if you would just allow me one more time, Proverbs 29, verse number 18 says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated today. I want to talk to you as the Lord would help us today. And uh, in case you are wondering, I believe by next week we'll have We ordered two 60-inch flat screens that will be here next week that will provide you scriptures on the screen um, and uh, songs also. So in case you're wondering what's up with that, those are ordered and we we get a chance this week. We're going to get in here and put some lights up and put put our speakers up and doing things each week to try to make it better and better. So in case some of you are wondering... Uh, that's kind of the progress. But I want to talk to you a few moments with the help of the Holy Ghost today on on, on the subject of purpose. On the subject of, of purpose. Uh, my wife and I were watching um, a, a program um, several weeks ago. And um, in this particular program, there was a gen- gentleman that was, it wasn't an actor, he was a normal uh, a, a normal. Average Joe, I believe he was an electrician as his as his day job, but he was on this show, and uh, it was a. I don't want to go into the show what it was, but but, anyways, in the show he was talking, sharing some of his, his just way he felt about life, and he made the statement. Uh, he looked like he was close to about fifty years old, around that age, and uh, he made the statement in this show. He said, you know. I've raised two kids and they're now old and they're out of they're, they're grown and they're out of the house. And he said, I, I've got to really, he was not a believer. He was not saved. He, not, he did not, I don't know if he even, if, if he confessed to even have a, a, a belief in, in, in God at all. He, he just, he, this was a secular man making a secular statement. But he's made the statement. He said, both of my kids are not out of the house. And uh, he said, I- I've been working a job now. I believe it was an electrician. I'm a plumber. I believe it was an electrician. I've been working this job now for a number of years. And he said, I'm at the point of my life now. I really have to look and evaluate myself. He said, because I'm looking. And he made the statement. And it, really just, it just kind of hit me at my chest. He said, I'm looking at the next 15 years of my life of getting up every day at 4 in the morning, going to work, doing my job. And he said, I've been doing my job now so long that the tasks have become almost robotic. 
I do the same things every day. I know how to do it. I, I, I've done it so long. He said, it's almost robotic for me. He said, I'm looking at the next 15 years of getting up four in the morning, going and doing the same job every day and only having the weekend to look forward to for the next 15 years. And when he said that, it just kind of hit me. Because looking at this man, he he looked he had a, 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 a he had raised two kids. He had he had at the point in time where he had he had enough money to probably do what he wanted to do. But his whole life had been lived, and at fifty years old, he had no purpose. And his only purpose in life was simply to survive the week, to get to the weekend, to do God knows what. To start over. And he said, I'm looking at the next 15 years of my life repeating that same process. And he says, I don't know if I can do that. And that struck me. Because even those of you in this room that confess not only to be believers, but confess to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Too many of us spend all our energy on the purpose that really in the end leaves us empty. I, 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 I don't want to get into this today. It's not the point of it, but I love to exercise. Exercise is one of my hobbies. I enjoy to do it. I used to run a lot more than I do now for a bunch of reasons, some, one, some physical things, but, but I don't run any, as much as I used to. But, but you, you, yeah, after a while, you kind of have to do what, what's necessary. But I'm telling you, running on a treadmill is one of the most mind-numbingly just, I want to use the word stupid. Can I just say stupid? Just stupid things of all time. Because you know you're doing work. You know you're getting tired. You know you're sweating. But you're still in the same spot when you started as when you ended. But you're just a lot tireder. And that little button says you've gone two miles. But you haven't gone anywhere. And then I saw a commercial uh, several weeks ago on TV. I think Michael Phelps now does it. And it's like, I thought a treadmill was stupid. This is even worse. They now have a pool you can buy and put in your house that literally, it's a pool that blows water at you and you can swim in place. Now, I guess if you, that's all you've got to do is better than nothing. But I'm telling you, that's so mine. It's so hard to keep yourself motivated to continue to work only to find yourself in the same place when you started as when you ended. That's why if you go to the gym, if you go to a gym, they've got TVs everywhere. And now most treadmills at a gym have a TV on it because they know the only way to stay on that treadmill is to get yourself distracted that you're not on a treadmill. Because when you run out in the street, you don't need a TV be kind of dangerous but you wouldn't need one anyways because you're looking at where you're going but you're on a treadmill you got to keep your mind distracted that you're on that treadmill and the worst thing you can do is watch that little ticker that's telling you how far you've gone because you you're working yourself up you're sweating but you're not going anywhere and that's how some of us are living our life today we're giving effort. Life is difficult. We're trying. 
But we find ourselves the same place now as we were a year ago. We say to ourselves, the same place now as it were 10 years ago. And we look back and we think, I've made all this effort and I've done all this, but I'm right where I am now as where I was back then. And then we look ahead and we go, well, I don't know if I want to keep doing this same song and dance and continue to do this same deal if I'm going to get the same result. Why? Because purpose, purpose is the thing. I, I give you purpose. I, I, I'll be transparent with you. I am not a morning person. If you are, God bless you. I, I, I'll say this. We're recording this. If someone say, watches this and you get offended, I don't mean to be offensive. But I have a hard time with early morning prayer. Because in my opinion, at 11 o'clock, it's morning somewhere. It may not be morning where I am, but somewhere it's morning. So somewhere in the mor- somewhere I'm doing morning prayer. It may not be my morning prayer, but it's somewhere I'm praying, Lord, you know, you're everywhere. So somewhere it's morning. And you know what? I'm, I'm not a big fan of the morning. I'm not necessarily a night owl, but I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the morning. And I know some of you, you get up three, four, five in the morning to go to work. And, and most of us have to get up early to go to work. And, and we all do it, but I'm not a fan of it. And for sometimes getting up to go to work or getting up because you have stuff to do, it's a lot to get yourself motivated. To get going. But have you ever noticed when there's something you want to do, you don't even need an alarm clock? I know it's, silly, it's silly, right? But if there's something, you got a, you're going on vacation, you got an event that day, four in the morning, Papa Hank, I'm ready to go. Let's do it. I'm excited. Why? Because there's something worth getting up Four. I know this is simple today, but I'm trying to challenge somebody today. Because when I ask you what's your purpose, more than likely in your mind, you begin to categorize. Well, you've got your home life, you've got a work life, you've got church, we've got, we got what we'd like to do, our hobbies, we've got a school, we've got family, we've got all this. And we categorize all this. But to God, there's no categorizing anything. A life is a life. Too many of us, We categorize church by Sunday. So our purpose, yes, our purpose is we go to Sunday, we go to church. But when we leave church today and we walk out of those doors, the purpose of church has ended until we come back around the next Sunday. But in God's ideology, that's not the way it happens. A little girl came to her mom one day, and maybe you've heard this, and forgive me for using it again, but a little girl came to her mom one day and she said, Mom, Uh, Why do we cut the ends off the hot dogs? Her mom thought about it for a second and said, you know what? If you cut the ends off of the hot dog, it allows the, the, the seasonings and stuff that mommy puts in the pot to soak into the hot dog better. She said, hmm, but she said, you know what? Why don't you go ask your grandmother? Because your grandmother, she did it, so I learned it from her. So the little girl walked in and asked her grandma. She said, Grandma, why do we cut the ends off the hot dogs? 
Grandmother thought about it for a second. She said, you know what? If you cut the ends off the hot dogs, it allows the meat to cook evenly. And it helps the, the, the meat to cook, cook good, and, 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 and so it tastes better. She said, but you know what? You need to go ask Nana, because I learned it from Nana. So a little girl walked in, and Nana just said, Nana, why does my mommy and my grandmother cut the ends off the hot dogs? She thought about it for a second. She says, well, I don't know why they did it, but I cut the ends off the hot dogs because that's the only way I could get the hot dog to fit in the pot. <laughs> you ever notice we do things, we don't even know why we're doing them? We do things and we don't even realize why we're doing them, but we just do them because it's something we've always done. Do you know, realize that worship can become that to us that come here every week? We can come here and just out of a simple habit, we can go, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Lord, you're so good. I worship you. And our minds are so far from this place, but it's what we do and we do it every week. So yes, we're worshiping. Look at it. And we're not worshiping at all. Because we've forgotten the purpose of why we worship. The purpose of why we worship is not for you. The purpose of why we worship is for him. We don't sing to entertain you. We sing because that's what gets him here. We don't sing songs you like. We sing songs he wants to hear. If it's fast or it's slow. If it's old or it's new. If it's a hymn or something contemporary. If it's black gospel. If it's country. If it has a twang. If it has a rap. If it has a yodel. It doesn't matter. If it's what he wants to hear. That's what matters. Why? Because it's the purpose of why we do it. What is the purpose of... Sometimes I think we forget the purpose of why we even come to church. If you're a guest here today, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those of you that are that come here. I, I, you got to ask yourself for once in a while, why am I coming here? Because there's times where we can come to church just because it's the habit we do. Most of us, at least two times a week, 52 weeks out of the year, unless there's a holiday. At least. For most, for, for a majority of the people in this room, you average over 100 services a year. Think about that. That's pretty amazing. For some of us, it's a little more. Some of us, is, it's probably close to 150. Some even 200 per year. I'm sorry. Anything you do that much, it's easy just to do it. It's the proverbial light switch. Go, You go in a room, you don't even think about it. You just start reaching for the switch. Because you notice you do that when you go to a room and the switch is not there and you realize, wait a minute, something's missing. I wonder sometimes if we do that, if we got home and we looked around and realized, wait a minute, I left Jesus at church. I got so busy going to church, I forgot the reason why I came to church. And I acknowledged that Jesus was here. But by the time I got in my car, I had so disconnected that I left what I felt here, here. And by the time I got home, whatever was here, I've left here. Because I've become so conditioned to this. And why is that important? Because you know what? I'm going to contradict myself. I'm going to tell you I'm going to do it now. 
I believe the Lord can come back any moment. But I don't believe he's going to come back right now. There are promises in the Bible that have not been fulfilled yet. That have to be fulfilled till he comes back. However, the Bible says and challenges us to live in a manner at which we are ready at all times. Because even though he may not come back, you could be driving down 424 today and your number be called. There's a lot of people, and I don't mean this to be disparaging, a lot of people that went out last night to party in Orlando thinking they had their life to live. And, the, and there's a lot of loved ones waking up today missing friends and family members. In this world we live in today, and there are men in this room today that have information that they're privy to because of their job, and, and if they were able today, they would tell us how scary of a world it is. Crazy. So even though I don't believe God can come, God, God's going to come back this afternoon, we've got to live like that because we never know if we're going to make it to this afternoon. Bottom line. And that may have been something to say in the 30s and the 40s, but it's sure something to say now in the year 2016 when the craziness of this world. But that being said, there's a very likelihood that those of us in this room that are going to make it to heaven are going to have to live for God longer than a week. I said it before and I'll say it again. It would be awesome. It's not the greatest church building program of all time, but it's the best for salvation. It would be better for most of us, including me, when I got baptized and filled the Holy Ghost that someone was standing right there with a gun and shot me. And sent me on to Jesus. Because at least at that point I knew I was saved. Because every moment I've been living, it's a chance for me to mess it up. So I'd rather, you know what, take me out now. I know I'm saved. But unfortunately, or fortunately, God has left you on this earth. Because there's a purpose in your life. But if you don't find that purpose in your life, salvation becomes your damnation. Because you can't be judged for what you didn't know, but you will be judged for what you did know. So when you are baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, or you find Jesus, or you, you know the answer is Jesus, you now become accountable for that, and now it's your job in your life to find your purpose. What is your purpose? What is, is, do you really feel sincerely today that Jesus Christ came to this earth and suffered and died to the point that he was so overwhelmed with sin in the garden that he began to sweat great drops of blood? Literally, not grape, but great. Sounded like I said grape drops of blood. It probably looked like grape, but great drops of blood. That he suffered with, with literally great drops of blood began to pour out of him because he was so overwhelmed by the weight of what he was feeling that literally his insides began to burst. And all the pain and agony that he went through and the cross that he endured. But in all of that, he, he went to the grave, death hell in the grave, took the keys and went and resurrected and ascended into heaven. Do you think he went through all of that? All of that effort so that you can make enough money 
in your life to do what you want to do and live comfortable. I'm not saying that's wrong. I believe it's, I, I, honestly, I, I, I'm, I believe in every person in here to strive to be the best you can be in whatever you do. We got some very successful people in this room that make a lot of money. And that's nothing wrong with that. We need money. Can't turn the lights on. It costs us now $2,300 a month to rent this facility above what we were already paying for the stuff that we do. It's an additional brand new cost that Antioch is putting out, $2,300. This world ain't free. So let's be honest. Church is not about money, but we need money to operate. It's simple facts. Unless you can convince Anne Arundel County to give this facility to us for free, it ain't happening. So there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being successful. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be the best you can be. But the fact of the matter is I have a hard time believing that that was the purpose of Christ coming to earth was so that you could be successful as a businesswoman or a businessman or that you could have that. That wasn't the purpose because the purpose of Christ coming to do this earth and dying had far-reaching consequences than this life now. Because if my life, if my purpose only depends on today's purpose, then I will live a life chasing the proverbial tail. We always think, at least you laugh and think it's funny to watch a dog chase its tail. Because you know good well they're never going to catch it. But when you're chasing a purpose other than Christ, that's what you look like. You're a dog chasing your own tail. You'll never catch it. And the more you do it, the more confused you'll become. And the more dizzy you'll get chasing that elusive purpose. Because there is but one purpose. There is but one calling. There is but one true purpose that can make a that, that can give purpose to a four-year-old that can receive the Holy Ghost all the way up to a 95-year-old that can receive the Holy Ghost and get baptized. There is but one purpose. I've witnessed children receive the Holy Ghost, and I've witnessed, but some of the greatest miracles that I've seen are people that are in their 80s and in their, in their 90s that have received the Holy Ghost, that in that moment they've said, this is what I've been searching for my entire life. It's one thing for a four-year-old to experience it, and you can say, well, you know, they don't know any better. They're just children. They're just naive. But when someone that has lived life and had all the experiences that they could have, but in the end they say, you know what, I've been searching for this my entire life, and now I've found what I've been looking for, that is a testimony to the fact of what we're in this room today and what we're experiencing in this room is what truly matters. Yes, go out and work a job. Yes, go out and make as much money as you can. Yes, have a successful marriage, successful family. But in the end, none of that matters if you don't have Jesus. None of that matters if in this life you can't say that you are a spiritual success. Because in the end, if you go to, if you, if, if Job said, I came in this world naked, and if I leave naked, blessed be the name of the Lord. It doesn't matter what I get while I'm here, as long as in the end he can look at me and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because eventually you're going to be driven either by design or by default. Everybody in this room today, you will be driven by design or by default. 
you will either true you either choose your purpose or there will be a purpose assigned to you by this world. Everybody in this room has a purpose, but it's your choice whether that purpose is by design or by default. Because if you have if you choose, you know what? I'm just going to live life the best I can. You will have a purpose. Your boss will be your purpose. Or if you own your own business, your customers will be your purpose. The bank that's expecting you to pay your bills will be your purpose. That gas tank that needs filling will be your purpose. Those kids that need food and clothing will be your purpose. And if you don't have a purpose, you will find a purpose either by design or by default. But in Scripture... There are so many men and women we could talk about in Scripture, but probably Paul and his writings give us more insight to a man filled with purpose than any other, any other writer in the Bible. And in the passage of Scripture we just read, he gives us some of these insights. Verse number 8, let's go back and read it again. Verse number 8 says, Yet indeed, yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ my Lord for whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ Paul's his greatest goal in life was one thing to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ If you study out Paul and you look at where Paul came from, from a historical standpoint, Paul would have been considered a very successful man. More than likely, he would have probably had some sort of wealth based off the place he had in Jewish society. He would have had, he may not have been the richest man on the block, but he wouldn't have been poor based off where he was. But all of that, Paul said, I count it to be rubbish, or the King James calls it dung. All of that that I've gained, I count as loss. That one thing that I may what? Know Jesus Christ. I challenge you today. If your main energy in your life is spent on anything else than knowing Jesus Christ then you're missing something in your life does that mean you stop going to work so you stay home and pray no there's no scripture to get you out of that you, you got to do what you got to do the Bible says you, you got to take care of your family you got to go to work God knows that you know some of us, just like, can I just take a moment? As I take a moment. Some of us, some, we, we get intimidated because we hear these people that have these relationships with God, and they say, well, I pray eight or nine, ten hours a day. And you go, oh, I'll never be able to do that. I've got to work, so what's the point? Does God not know your responsibilities? Yes or no? Simple question. Does he not know your responsibilities? Some of you work 10, 12 hours a day. So it's not the quantity 
of time, it's the quality of time. Hey, I know a lot of people that spend time in prayer. I'm not sure what's coming out of it, but they're spending time in prayer. But I know people, Elijah prayed a 63, right, 63 word prayer and called down fire from heaven. And I know people that pray a 63 hour prayer and can't even get a match lit. Truthfully, it's not the quantity of the prayer that matters, but it's the quality of prayer that matters. So if you say, well, you know, I don't have a lot of time. Well, you know what? Make the best of what you got. Hey, baby, five minute worship session with Jesus beats an hour of sitting there just humming away at something. So can we clear that up now? Some of you say, well, you know what's the point I try? I got too much stuff going on in my life. Well, let's reevaluate that statement first. Keeping up on your favorite shows and all the posts and all the social media stuff doesn't exactly count as being busy. Let's at least get that out of the way. But there are some of you in here today that really are sincerely, your life is very hectic with all the scheduling you have. There's a lady that we know, my wife and I met her recently. Uh, we've come friends with her, and she's so busy. Oh, she's just, I mean, you talk to her. She's exhausted all the time. She's so busy. You know why she's busy? Seriously. Her daughter's nine years old. She plays softball seven days a week. Nine years old, seven days a week. And for Saturday and Sunday, it's always traveling. Nine years old. And she's so exhausted. And she's so overwhelmed. Is this girl getting paid to do this? I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I was growing up, I played sports, and I, I pretend to play sports now, I guess. That's probably what it's more like at this point in time. But man, I mean, don't tell me you're overwhelmed when that's your life. The question of the matter is, and I, I'm, 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 I'm gotten, trying to get two things that I, I am. The Holy Ghost is trying to pick up two things. I'm trying to talk to someone here today that doesn't know Jesus. But I'm trying to challenge someone here today that you've been here for a while. Because you know what? We will have revival in this place. But. But. If you read the fine print in the contract. Let's not cheer yet. The fine print in the contract. The revival at the bottom of the line says you will have revival. But get your magnifying glass and look out. You know what? At the bottom of the line, it's not going to be about the preacher. God's not going to let the revival be because I'm such a good preacher. And you know what? Let's be honest. It ain't going to be about the facility. We can make it as good as we can, but people aren't going to drive by and go, oh, my Lord, that's a school, and it is absolutely amazing. Let's go to that church. It is an, uh, it's just beautiful. Look at the ceiling and these tables just add to it and the murals on the wall. Just uh, stunning, just stunning, absolutely stunning. Let's go there. It's not coming here for that. So why will they come here? Why will we fill this place? Why? It's not going to be because the preaching gets better or the singing. It's going to be because you get excited about Jesus. It's because you get passionate about Jesus. Not on Sunday, but when you wake up on Monday and you say, I woke up this morning with my mind 
stayed on Jesus. When you go to work, you go to work with a hop in your step and someone says why are you so happy today and you said because honey you don't know what happened to me yesterday I was in church and the presence of God was there and God touched me on the inside he healed my body he touched my mind he saved my soul we had someone there that walked in drunk but walked out sober we had someone that walked in high but walked out straight we said someone that walked in broken but walked out healed that's what happened yesterday and they'll look at you and say I didn't believe that stuff happened in church anymore and you say because we don't have church we've got Jesus that's what this is about that's why we're preaching what we're preaching today because it's about you finding your relationship with God and taking it to a new level why because God wants to use you but if you're not excited about the product the person looking for the product won't be satisfied excited I'm not a salesman but I've heard people talk about it that were salesmen one of the things they tell you If you're going to be a successful salesman, know the product and love the product. Believe in the product. Because if you don't do that, the person you're trying to sell that to will know it. Because they're not going to buy something off you that you don't believe in, that you're not excited about. And I'm telling you, the most most fulfilling, and some of you... You're so close. You're on the verge. And I mean this positively. You're on the verge of breaking into something in your life like you've never experienced. There, there, God, is, God, is, God is wanting to do so many things in individuals in this room. And so many of you are so close to getting to that place where you're about to step into a realm with Jesus you've never experienced before. But you've got to find that purpose. You've got to know the purpose. You've got to find and see that purpose. You've got to get a hold of that purpose and know that there is a purpose. We're not here to build up the name Antioch West. We're not here to make us so that, oh, look how big we've gotten or look how great our church Churches. No, it's about that every person that walks in this room experiences the love and the passion and the and the compassion of Christ Jesus. Why? Because we know that they need Jesus. And Paul said the most important thing to everything that in my life is I may know him. That's the first thing that drives me. The first purpose in my life is that I may know him. He said, the second thing that I have in my purpose is I'm forgetting those things which are behind me. Forgetting those things. Not just the good, not just the bad things, but sometimes the good things can drag us backwards as much as the bad things. We often hear that term and we think, well, that means not dwelling on your past for the negative. Sometimes the positive stuff can be as much as a stumbling block as the good stuff, as the bad stuff. Why? Because because God did it one way back then. We think he's going to do it the same way now. And he said, the first thing, my, my most important thing that gets me up in the morning is to know Jesus. The second thing is that I've got to forget the things. If, the, if, they're, if they're bad things, I've got to let them go. I've got to release them. I've got the Lord, let the Lord help me. The Lord heal me. If they're good things, I've got to be thankful for them, but I can't dwell on them. They got me to where I am, but they can't take me to where I want to go. 
The third thing they said that drives me, the thing that gets me, is I've got to have a worthy goal. Look what he said, verse, verse 13 and 14. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to be apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. My, 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 my question to you is what's ahead? What's ahead of you? Well, we got vacation coming up, or we got this coming up, we got that coming up. Really, that's going to come and go. I don't think Paul was talking about his next trip to Rome as what was ahead. He's saying, forgetting those things which are behind me and pressing. You can't forget what's behind unless you have something to go forward to. I don't want, I'm going to preach to those of you that are members here just for a second. I don't want me just to see this room filled. I want you to come in here and you see this room filled. Jack, I challenge you. It's silly. But the Bible says, come as little children. One day, just come in here and just go, man, I don't know if there's any seats for me in here this morning. There's so many people in here. And ask one of the ushers, can you help me find a seat? They may look at you like you're crazy. That's okay. Release your faith. You say, well, that's silly. Well, you know what? I think there was a time he asked for five loaves and two fishes to feed 5,000. That was pretty silly. The final thing Paul said is, you got to have a goal. But the ultimate thing is, Paul said, the thing that drives me is not just my natural purpose, but it's my eternal purpose. Ultimately, in all this, the bottom line, the purpose in all this, yes, we want to see people saved. Yes, we want to see God do great things. But the ultimate thing is, is that this life is the womb of eternity. Do you realize, and I'm not a medical person, and there's someone here that could give you the more medical descriptions. We got that book, one, I think the first or second pregnancy, we got that book that you can follow along, and it has a little charts that say at this point in time, your baby looks like this, and, and at this point in time, they have an arm, and they have eyes, and they have ears, and they develop the brain, and at this point in time, they can begin to hear. And you follow along. But you realize that nine months that you are in your mother's womb, determined your life. The nine months of development in that womb determined your life. It determined what health and determined all the stuff that was going to develop. All that was developed where? In the womb. And in comparison of people that live 80 to 90 years, nine months is not a long time. And that's why the Bible says life is but a vapor to consider, and I'm almost done, to consider the fact that in today, yeah, I mean, to a 20-year-old, 70 sounds old. To a 70-year-old, it doesn't sound that bad. Doesn't sound old to be 70. You're like, wait a minute, it, you know? Some of you enter 40, 50, 60. It doesn't sound, wait a minute. We don't know how we got here. It, it happens. It just comes like this. To consider that what we do here, what you do here, is going to set you up for eternity. I'm, I'm, I'm finishing, but I want the weight of that to set on you today. 
There's a there's a there's an illustration that was that was in an old Bible study chart years ago that said this that if the earth the entire mass of the earth was sand made of sand from the outer crust to the inner core if suddenly it was just one giant sand pile and a and a bird every 1000 years would come down and would scoop a thimble full of sand off the earth and carry it away and dump it somewhere else. And a thousand years after that, it would come back and it would scoop another thimble full of sand and carry that off and drop it. A thousand years after that, it'd come back, scoop another thimble full of sand off, take that out, drop it. By the time that bird made enough trips every thousand years to carry all the sand that made up the entire earth from crust to core, when that was finished, the first second of eternity would have just ticked off. Hallelujah. Think about that. That's staggering. That's staggering to me to think of the expanse of time in eternity. And then you compare that to the moment of life. And to think that the most of the stuff that people in this room struggle with and what we can't seem to overcome to help us get closer to God. And those moments of pleasure are literally moments of pleasure. And those smack, those fractions of moments of pleasure that keep us separated from God are pale in comparison to the immensity of eternity. And to know that what I'm doing in this life right now is determining my existence for eternity with no ability to ever go back and change it over again. I know it's heavy in here, but it needs to get heavy in here. Because we're not reminded enough of the severity of what we're doing here. It's not about just coming to church to feel good. But it's about the real fact that there is an eternity to all this. There is a judgment that's coming one day. Whether or not you agree with it or not, the fact of the matter is it's going to happen. And the Bible says, too much is given, much is required. You don't think that God's going to pour out an abundance of grace and mercy in your life and not expect something back in return. And to know Hallelujah. that decision, I mean, that's... I'm trying to close. If you let the Holy Ghost help me, I'm trying to close. Hallelujah. It's sobering to think that an 18-year-old, when they graduate, make, has to make decisions that will determine the rest of their life. As dumb as I was when I was 18, God help us that I had to make decisions that determined my life. But it's crazier to think that we are making decisions now that determine eternity. God help us. And then when you look at the scales, you ever seen one of those old scales that have the balancing arm with the two trays on it? Tell me what you can put on this side of the scale to balance out the weight of eternity on that side of the scale. How much money in this life would be worth it 
be honest. You know it's the truth. How many of you going down to 7-Eleven or wherever else, Royal Farms, and bought a Powerball ticket months ago because it was a billion dollars? Well, what could I do with a billion dollars? I question to you, what if you would have won? What if you would have won? Boy, I mean, talk about being set. I mean, I heard some crazy statistics of what you could do with that money. It's crazy. Literally, it was like you just put in a bank account and you could literally almost drop $100 every minute of every day and you would never be broke. But even with all that, is that enough on this side of the scale to outweigh eternity on that side of the scale? No. So why are we wasting all of our effort trying to get accumulation of this over here? Not saying it's bad to accumulate, but my point is, at what cost are we giving up that side of the scale for this side of the scale? My question to you is, and I close with this, what in your life do you value more than eternity? Because whatever you evaluate, whether it's a relationship, job, career, success, whatever it is, I want you today to put it on this side of the scale and I want you in your mind to see if it balances out. We got the weight of eternity over here and I want you to put the purpose of your life over here. Do you know the only thing that balances it out? The only thing that balances out the creation is the creator. Only Jesus can balance the scale. I told my daughter yesterday, we were having a little come to Jesus meeting pretty much all day. It was just one of those times we just needed some bonding time. And we were sharing our love for one another back and forth all day. And I said, you know what? You don't get it, do you? You, you don't realize. I said, you, let me tell you. Do you, do you want to go the rest of your life and never get a spanking? Do you want to go the rest of your life and get, get pretty much everything your mother and I would, would ever give, want to give you? We'll, get, we'll, we'll do our, you'll have, I mean, you'll have as much as we can. You'll, and you'll never, we'll have, you'll have the greatest life. Do you want to know how, boy, she got, her eyes got big. Yeah, I want to know. He said, just do what we tell you to do when we tell you to do it and obey what we're saying. It. I don't think she bought that totally. But it was from, from mom like, listen, if you would just do something simple, I'll give you all that. But you refuse to do this simple thing because you want to do it your own way. And because you want to do it your own way, you're forfeiting all of this. She's depressed today because she's grounded for a week. And she was literally depressed this morning. She woke up. She's in the floor in intercession. I don't want to be grounded again this week. Like, sister, you're not praying hard enough. Keep praying. The Lord don't hear you. But I want to say to, I, I'm like, I'm trying to get through her mind. But listen, was all of that right. losing your brain yesterday? Is that moment of your will getting your control of you worth giving up all of this? Talk to us. As a parent, that's, oh, that's simple. Oh, that's no, yeah, we, we get it. I mean, I'm trying to tell her, you know. 
You're giving up all you're giving up a whole week of all the stuff we could do or what, what you could have, and you're gonna lose all the stuff you want to play with and all the stuff, and you're gonna lose it for a week because you had ten moments of your defiant will, and what did you get out of it? Nothing. But you're gonna lose all that. That if you would just give up that will for ten minutes and do what you were told, and we're not asking you to do anything that's not good for you, you'd have all that. We get it as parents. But God, why would you ever ask me to do something so difficult? How dare you, God, ask me to do something I don't want to do? And the only thing he's asking you is to give up your life and let him live through you. you. Which is actually the best thing for you. So he's actually offering something that's best for you. And in return, he'll give you all the benefits of it. But yet we choose to do our will and our way. And we forfeit not only what we're doing here, but everything else he wants to give. For what purpose? What do we get out of it? Most of the time, it's pain, suffering, regret. Versus just surrendering to him and saying, Lord, I, I got to admit, every day I get up, I'm not, I'm, I, you know, sometimes I'm not thrilled. But you know what? Not my will, but thine be done. It's not always, you know what? You live for God long enough, you'll learn. There's not always a day you wake up and you've got a pep in your step. But the fact that matters, you know, the benefits that come from living a God far outweigh what you can gain by doing your way. Because I want to know anybody in this room today that you've made all your own decisions and you've made perfect decisions every time. Not one person in here. But I know I can tell you, every decision I've made that God's made for me has absolutely been mind-blowing. So my question today is, who's going to be in control of your life? Could you just work where you are? Can you bow your heads? Close your eyes? And I want you to ponder that question in your mind today. What's going to be the purpose of your life? What's going to be the defining purpose of your life? What's going to outweigh your scale? Is it going to be the weight of eternity? Or is it going to be, is it going to be your own world, your own way, your own ideas, your own thing? What you want, how you want it. Or is it going to let eternity and knowing Jesus be the defining purpose? characteristic of your life. It's not about joining a church or following an edict or following some kind of religious philosophy. None of that gets you anywhere. It's simply about, is my purpose in life going to be knowing Jesus Christ? Is my my tombstone going to read when I die? They knew Jesus. That's what I was known for, that I knew Him. Is my soul Come on, can you talk to him? Some of you need to take a moment. I know we've gone a little long today, but some of you need to take a moment and evaluate your life today. Evaluate the condition of your life. Evaluate the priorities of your life. What are the priorities of your life? If you got everything you're working for at this moment, would it get you closer to Jesus? That's the question. If everything you're striving for today you suddenly obtain would it get you closer to him if the answer to that is no then you're striving for the wrong things oh Jesus help us today Lord I know you've spoken in this place I know you've spoken in this place and Father I pray right now that your spirit would begin to move in this place and you would confirm your word by your presence 
There's so many people in here today that are searching for something. But Lord, we know that you're the only true thing to search for. You're the answer. You're the only answer. Father, now in the name of Jesus, if you would help us, Lord, open our eyes and our spirits. Oh, in the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, let's take another moment and just pray. Just continue to pray. Come on, I know it's been a while, but can you spare five minutes for the weight of eternity? Is five minutes of prayer too much to ask compared to the immensity of eternity to say, you know what, I can spare five minutes to talk to Jesus today and ask Him to help me. Come on, if you're not praying for yourself, what maybe you can reach over and just pray for the person next to you. If you don't want to pray for yourself, why don't you at least take a moment and pray for somebody nearby you? Maybe you don't need to pray for yourself today. But maybe there's someone nearby you that your prayer can help them today. Maybe they're struggling with some things in their life and they need God's help with today. And maybe you can help them. Pray for them. Can we do that right now in the name of Jesus? Come on, church, let's be sensitive for a moment. Let the Lord help us. Come on, there's some people here today that the Lord wants to help. There's some people here today the Lord wants to touch. And there's some people here today that need to make some decisions because God wants to do great things in their life. But we've got to find the true purpose of our life. You're my greatest true purpose. Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray for a minute. Come on, folks, let's pray. Let's make this a prayer room for a moment. Just you and Jesus. You and Jesus. If you don't know what to pray, just say, Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord. Lord, I don't really know what to do, but Lord, I know I need to do something. Lord, help me. Help me. Help me in the name of Jesus. You're my greatest in the name of Jesus yes Lord yes Lord let us know you let us find you like never before let us seek you and know you like never before oh let us not be satisfied with where we are but let there be a hunger that rises up in us to know you in a greater way Oh, yes. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, God's trying to do something. Can we just take another moment? Come on. Just another moment and just pray one for another. The Holy Ghost is moving. God's doing something. Let the Lord do something for you and through you, in you. You're mine.